Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their zero to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond and their biggest challenges during the first three phases of building their business. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io, which I co-founded after being in SaaS for nearly a decade. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers. And you can think of us as your outsource CTO as we've got 20 years of development, entrepreneur and business experience to help keep your project from ending up in the software graveyard. We specialize in software as a service and software startups. Contact us at onestop.io so we can spec out your project today. Today, I have a CEO and founder of Jetpack Workflow, Dave Cristello, whose SaaS helps accountants keep track of their important tasks so they can focus on running their business. Uh, we'll, talk to Dave, we'll talk to Dave about how he came up with the idea, funded his MVP, and navigated his way from zero to 30 to reach his software big break. How are you today, Dave? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure, pleasure. Nice to catch up with you. Can you start off by telling us just a real quick intro on your background, who your customer is? We know they're accountants, but maybe uh, you can elaborate and what specific problem you're solving for them. Yeah, so Jetpack Workflow helps accounting firm owners track all of the recurring deadlines and due dates so nothing falls through the cracks. Uh, so if you're an owner of an accounting, bookkeeping, payroll tax firm in the U.S. or anywhere in the world, really, uh, and uh, you need help juggling all these uh, checklists, all these deadlines and due dates. We help, you know, kind of standardize the way you deliver the service, give you a great set of views to track everything that's going on in your firm and help you understand what your team is working on. Uh, the initial pain point was, you know, when I went out into the market and was talking with, you know, thousands of accounting firm owners, there was a real challenge and they called it, you know, checklist management. They had a lot of checklist problems. And the pain point was, is that, you know, in accounting firms, they have dozens or hundreds of clients. That's very normal. And other professional service providers, maybe not as much, but accountants have a lot of clients. Each client has, you know, 8, 10, 12 deadlines they need to manage. Payroll deadlines, bookkeeping deadlines, tax deadlines, you know, with everything going on this year, all kinds of extension deadlines. And, you know, project management tools were amazing, but you couldn't house client information, which was almost a non-starter for an accounting firm. Uh, CRM tools were great, but they're built for salespeople. Yeah. And there are legacy applications out there, but they were hard to adopt. They're expensive. They're clunky. So, so many accounting firm owners were going back to their trusted spreadsheet to manage this complexity. And of course, we kind of know all the pitfalls of trying to run your business out of a, of a spreadsheet, you know, yeah. lack of visibility, lack of clarity, the team wasn't on the same page. Um, so that was kind of the initial pain point we stumbled upon. You know, firms had a really hard time getting that visibility, getting organized with, with some kind of application. Uh, so that's really where we started. Okay, great. So um, 
It, and it works. It works for any type of accountant, right? It's not just like because I know U.S. U.S. tax are really like accountants can be really particular about U.S. taxes, and it has to be like almost customized for the U.S. tax system. But you're according. It sounds like your software is just mostly about scheduling and tasks and sync, so it's fine for U.K. or Canadians or. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, excuse me. So we have a lot of firms in Canada, a lot of firms in U.K. and Australia. Um, you know, if you have a lot of clients and you need to track deadlines and due dates for those clients, you know, we can be a good fit. Um, if you need to manage extensions, if you need to manage uh, date in and date outs or turnaround time, if you need to manage team capacity, um, pretty much the things that help you better manage your firm, uh, we're a good, good fit for. We always like to say, we're not going to help you be a better accountant. You know, that's yeah. on Intuit or Sage or MYOB okay, or whatever. Yeah. They're going to help you with tax law, tax regulations, managing, you know, the, the debits and credits. We'll try to help you run a better business. We'll try okay. to help you remove those painful workflow problems so you can get your, you know, jobs or work done on time. Okay, perfect. So can you take me back to um, the the founding of, of the company and how you came up with the problem? Like, because I know... Um, you, you mentioned in another podcast, and I remember because we we know we've known each other for a while. We were both in the foundation um, together, which I have explained in other podcasts. But in case you're a new listener, you basically was it a program that Dane Maxwell started like oh, five years ago, and I don't believe he's still doing it, at least in the same way. Yeah, um, new 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 iteration. He's back. It's it's slightly updated, but I think the the core and heart of it's probably pretty similar. Yeah, similar, but not f as focused on SaaS. But he's Correct. very like right. he started some SaaS companies, has right. a very successful one, and he was teaching. Um, he had sort of a cohort of a few years of, um, you know, David and I were in the same cohort together, I guess. Um, so why don't you walk us through your, you know, the whole sort of idea extraction and all the things that you did to come up with the problem? Um, just give us a quick version of that, I guess. Yeah, and, and you know, to talk about Dane and the foundation, I think one of the biggest gifts you know he gave me was the belief that you could build something meaningful by going out and trying to solve a painful problem and you don't have to be reliant on being witty or clever or experiencing your own pain to go out and do that i know it was kind of common knowledge especially in in software land is like well solve your own pain well here yeah. i was a kid my i didn't have really any kind of b2b pain i mean i barely had yeah. a job at the time and so uh, I was really stuck. I knew I wanted to build something. And when I heard that belief, it really resonated with me. So, yeah, I, I um, started to list out some markets, um, dentists, uh, practices, dry cleaners, lawyers, accountants. Uh, and, you know, through trial and error, I eventually started interviewing these accounting firm owners and asking them what was the most painful, tedious, time-consuming problem they had in their day, in their week. Um, and you might have explained this in other episodes, but you know, that first response, the, the goal is to just get a response because that's the yeah. hardest thing, right? You just need any sort of ideally positive response. And then you take that response, which is probably going to be short. It's probably going to be surface level. It's probably going to be their gut reaction on whatever's painful that moment, but that's not necessarily the real pain or the pain you should solve for. You, you get that response and then you get them on the phone call. You get them into a video conference I had one idea extraction live, but 99% were over the phone. And you just start becoming endlessly curious about how they run their business. And you just, you know, like my favorite questions are like, all right, 
walk me through a typical week. What are your top priorities? Right. And then they will say something you go, okay, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more, tell yeah, me more, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and after 30 minutes, you know, I, I found this kind of a inflection point, at least for me personally, if I could talk with somebody for at least 30 minutes, I'm probably going to get something really interesting out of that interview. Yeah. Maybe I won't build for it, but there'll be something interesting that happens yeah. after 30 minutes. It's just really weird. Like nine times out of 10, yeah. I get something. I, I found that as well when I was doing it in my best calls were the ones that were like an hour and a half, you know, yeah. so if you've got a guy on, you knew you were getting the good. So, uh, and then usually by the end it would be like, how much is that worth to you? It's like, Oh, I, I pay at least 500 a month, you know, or something like that. So, and you're like, okay, I'm definitely on to something here. It just um, gives you this incredible amount of confidence about the direction yeah. you're going. I mean, we, I went back in and I did this, I did something kind of similar uh, and I talked with, I forget who about it and what podcast about it, but you know, I, I, there was so much operational and infrastructure we had to build out that I kind of got away from doing those types of interviews. And earlier this year, we went through big exercise around our buyer persona and I started having um, more or less idea extraction calls, mm -hmm. some of our top customers and We've developed what, what I think, you know, at high level, a three-year roadmap for the product. But then in the short term, we know what we're building. And you just have this new level of confidence that what you're building is really going to matter to people, yeah. you know, as you go through that process. Yeah. And yeah. it just removes all the insecurity behind it. Because yeah. you're like, I know Will is going to love this, yeah, right? And yeah. I know Will is not that weird that he's yeah. the only one that's going to love it. He's, he, the way he describes his problem sounds so universal. Or, you know, yeah. maybe talk to eight Wills or Bobs or James yeah. or whoever. You just feel so much better about the direction you're going in and really reduces a lot of the worry, stress, anxiety that you could have. Well, that not only that is, as you say, it makes the validation so much easier because then you're getting on a call and you're no, no longer sort of fishing. But later, you know that I know that this is I've had I've heard this from three people. My guess is that this guy's probably going to agree and it's the validation. So you just get on. Uh, and, and kind of validate the idea. So along those lines, how long was it that you were sort of speaking to um, accountants when you first started hearing about this, like the spreadsheet problem and, and scheduling and stuff? Um, was that something like, like how many calls into that? Was it like the second call or was it like 20 calls in or? Yeah, so it was, and this was the second industry I really was interviewing. I spent three, four months talking with dental practices. And when I started with accountants, um, it took a lot of phone calls. And that's because I knew absolutely nothing about accounting. I mean, just zero. I didn't know. I didn't have any friends or family members in yeah. the profession. I couldn't call them up and be like, hey, what's Gap? What, what are people yeah. talking about? Accrual? Yeah. I had no idea. So when I was on these calls and you know, somebody would say, well, it's really hard to run accrual-based accounting inside of QuickBooks. I'm like, okay, what's QuickBooks? What's a girl? <laughs> like I just had so many questions to even decipher. Yeah. the Yeah. So you had to learn the business for the first sort of few call, bunch of calls, I guess. Yeah. And I would ask them, I would say gap, what's gap. And they're like, Oh my gosh, Google search it. <laughs> like, you know, these are yeah. the guiding principles of accounting. Right. Yeah. I'm like, okay, guiding principles. Well, not, okay, I, good, okay. Now I got good. that. Yeah. And I remember having in my you know office at the time, people would tell me all these problems. And I had, I literally had something like 28, 29 pain points. I just started writing them all out. Okay, okay. There's some kind of like technical reporting problem. There's something about QuickBooks point of sale. And I, I literally had this whiteboard. It's actually one of these whiteboards. Of course, I don't still have the words on it, but it's one of these yeah. guys right here. Yeah. And <laughs> I had this wall of pain. 
And the funny thing was like, I, and then I started putting, you know, tally points next to how often I would hear the pain. Yeah. And then I would give kind of like an extra mental boost to ones I actually understood the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Like, like, I'm like, I'm hearing this a lot, but I have no idea what it means. And when yeah. I try to go to get on calls to understand what it means, I still don't know what it means. And I'm Google searching it and I still don't know what it means. And that's because I didn't have, you know, four years of accounting knowledge behind me plus a CPA you know, yeah. degree. And I was trying to, so checklist management, heard it a lot, very understandable. I was like, Oh, thank goodness. Now the only problem was, it was a much bigger problem that I initially wanted to build for. I wanted something so tiny, so simple, so small. Yeah. I could build it quickly. And checklist management was kind of a, you know, bigger problem. Okay. So it was sort of daunting. Were you putting values on, on the problems? Cause that was one way I, yeah. I was trying to do it. Like to you know, put like qualify it with a number because that's like, kind of like how big is your pain? Zero, zero to 10. But this is like, how big is your pain? How much would you pay me a month for that? And kind of get an average. Were you like, did yep. you, were you grading them that way too? Yeah. And you know, when I was talking with dental practices, I remember thinking I found oh a painful problem. And the painful problem I remember for dental practices was people would walk in and they wouldn't have their dental insurance. They would only have their health insurance mm-hmm. and X number of times or percentage they were not the same. You can't just assume, you know, the health provider is the same as the dental one. And so the uh, person at the front desk would have to look up 12 different sites and kind of plug in the person's name and social security number. And kind of like the solution I was thinking about was you get the patient's info once, and then we, we ping 12 different databases and then we'll, we'll look up the insurance information for you. What I found is when I started getting into it, you know, how, how how many hours do you, do you do this? Oh, it's like, you know, five hours a week great. What else would you be doing with this time? Great. That's amazing. What do you think is a fair price to pay for it? I would get a really, really low number. Yeah. Like 20 bucks a month or something like that. And yeah. I was trained as kind of you are, it's like you want yeah. at least a hundred bucks a month, yeah, right? Yeah. A, a, yeah. you know? And what I found is like all the dental practices that really weren't run well had that problem. And all the ones that were run well didn't have that problem at all. Uh, okay. So that's so, when yeah. I was like, Oh, so for accounting, yeah, I started, I would ask, I'd go through the pain. And I did this even this year as we're thinking about what feature sets to build out. We'd go through it and I would say, what's this costing you in time? How are you currently solving it? What is your process for managing it? Um, you know, if you could wave a magic wand and have a solution appear, what would it look like? Yeah. Wait, if that solution existed, what's a fair price? Now you and I've been trained to ask what's a fair price. Not, Hey, what do you think you would pay? Yeah. It's like, what's yeah. fair. Yeah. And I had people telling me, you know, hundreds of dollars a month, this is like 10 X what people would say they pay for jetpack and at least the initial version. And then I would say, okay, great. You would pay $500 a month for this. Now what's the minimum amount this would need to do for it to be worth $500. Right. So you kind of, you kind of land the plane for them a little bit and say, okay, well for 500, I really just need blah, blah, and blah. Yeah. Great. You know, and, 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 you know, for jetpack, you know, I ended up creating this pre-sale packet and getting pre-sales for Jetpack today, I didn't go through that. We run, you know, six week cycles. So almost by the time I would sell it, we might be able to like build it <laughs> in some cases. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I did, we didn't do the pre-sale process, but I got, I got the number, I got the validation, I got the value and I, and I did that, you know, literally this year. Um, and so it's the, the same process applies. Wait, so you're saying that you did this for your your additional fi- feature sets now. You didn't come out with like a you didn't roll out a different product or something like that. No, you're no, just correct, expanding. correct. Okay. So this is kind of what's what's the next level of Jetpack workflow? 
okay. and what should we build? Now we had, you know, we did a, we did a huge survey. We did our buyer personas. I also had, you know, years of kind of like intuition built up about the industry. Yeah. But I still got on a phone call, which goodness is so much easier to get on a phone call when, when you, when you actually have something, have customers, yeah. but you forget to do it. But you know, I, and I kind of go through this um, idea extraction journey with them again, and I wouldn't lead them to what I thought we were going to build. I was just curious of what they would say. Now, of course, if they didn't mention anything, I would say, well, how are you currently doing X? Yeah. And if they said, oh, it's great. It's amazing. Great. Cool. I would just move on. Yeah. And probably wouldn't build something there. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, great. So, so you're doing idea extraction. Um, how was it, uh, how was, um, validating and did you do pre-sales? We did, we did pre-sales. So my goal was to get three pre-sales before hiring a developer. And what really helped was, you know, our first customer, you know, this guy, Will, uh, who, who happened to be based in Pittsburgh. He's the only customer we had in our first, like a hundred customers. He was based in where we're located. And he was like so ecstatic that we might build something for this because he was about to have something custom built for his firm. Right. Really? So he's getting a deal. I mean, he's getting, yeah, yeah he's getting a deal. And so, and I didn't know what software really cost at that time. Um, and I didn't know, you know, I was thinking in my head, I was like, okay, you're probably thinking $20,000, right? Like that would have been a deal to build out for $20,000. Yeah. But I'm thinking, okay, he's, he's put in his head real money to solve this problem. So when I put together the pre-sale pack, I did three tiers in the classic movie theater popcorn style. I did small tier, which was like $50. Pay $50, get six months for free, and then 20% off for life. Yeah. And then I did the medium tier, and that was for like one user or something like that, one login. The next yeah. one was 250 and I was like five logins, six months free, 20% off for life for $250. And then the final one was $2,500. Yeah. And I was like, you get lifetime access on limited users. And the only yeah. reason I put 2,500 on there was because I wanted $250 to feel like the smallest number possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In it's hindsight. Like the Grand Cordon 10X it, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I wish I would have 10X all those prices. I probably could have because yeah. I, you know, coming from, you know, I've never, I've never worked at a company. I've never, you know, actually kind of had full employment status in my life. I thought $250 for business to spend was like, incredible right yeah yeah knowing now it's like oh goodness gracious you, yeah i could have 10x all those prices right yeah. and still got customers but you know i sat down you know i i presented to our first customer and our potential customer i showed him what we're doing and he goes great i'm in and i'm in my head i'm like cool 50 or 250 50 or yeah. 250 i hope it's 250 he's like yeah. 2,500 first customer <laughs> out the gate, $2,500, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, and he goes, I just need you to like, you know, commit to like, not, you know, stealing my money. Right? Yeah. 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 So, so, you know, we did, but I mean, wrote a check out to me at the time. There's no LLC. There's no business card. There's no name. I called it. Yeah. I was like, Oh, well, it's checklist. I'm going to call it checklist pro because yeah, who cares? It won't be a company unless I get pre-sale. So I don't care about the name. So yeah. he gave the check to me, you know, and look, I'm not a lawyer. It's not legal advice. But, yeah. you know, kept it really simple and we just did it. And, you know, I remember going in my car at that time and being like, oh my God, I guess I'm going to build a software product. Like I have $2,500 yeah. now, like clearly enough to build a software so product. The, which the, escrow was, was the escrow that you just weren't going to cash a check until the end. Is that what it was? No, I, I like signed something, you know, very simple, like thing I wrote up, which was like, yeah, if I build bigger. this product yeah. and you don't like it, I will refund your money. Yeah. Right. Perfect. And I had that little clause in there forever. Yeah. Like I said, look, you know, to the other people that bought, 
if I build it, you don't like it, you just let me know. I'll refund your money. Yeah. And, um, but so anyway, so Will was the first customer and like, goodness gracious, I now have enough money to build a product, uh, which wasn't true, but that's for, that's maybe later in the interview. Yeah. And, you know, with that momentum, and I found this with raising money, I found this with hiring, I found this with everything. As soon as, you know, we're doing a virtual conference right now, as soon as you get the first vendor, the first speaker, first prospect or customer, the, the second one, oh yeah. my gosh, I don't, yeah. just so wild, everything changes. And so I got Will. And then we got our second customer and our third customer. I hired a developer, uh -huh. handed him the worst specs of all time with no user stories or design guide or anything, yeah. but I didn't know any better. So I gave him this really ugly marketing brochure. I said, Hey, build this. Yeah. And he's like, sure, I'll build it. Yeah. Uh, Where'd you find him? So this one was a referral from a colleague of mine. Okay. Um, was he local? Like, where was he from? No, uh, based in Seattle. Okay, but he's U.S. based, so he's so he's, <laughs> he's from the Philippines, and then he moved. Okay, when okay. he's like twenty twenty five to Seattle. Um, is he still? Is did you? Is he, he's not still with you, eh? No. No. Okay. No. Yeah, we went through just um, uh, for lack of a better word. I mean, it was all fun and exciting at the time. You know, looking back, kind of this horrific grind of trying to build the product. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know. Um, but look, I had three and I had a developer. So then I went back to the other people I was kind of prospecting with and said, Hey, great news. We have three. We started building it. Happy to still bring you in as a founding member, you know, and I got seven more. To come so in. sorry. Can, can you just give me the numbers on the other do with the other two also 2,500 or what? Were no, they? I wish. So we probably yeah. pre, we pre-sold almost $5,000 worth of software. Okay. That's great. Through, through 10 firms. Okay. Right. So yeah. a lot of two fifties and then, yeah. you know, uh, our first customer is like half. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. And so we had $5,000. The first version of the product, uh, we tried to get it on three months. Didn't work. Crash and burn. I then decided to bring in a second developer, kind of another referral, because I didn't learn my lesson the first time. And, and then I too, and eventually I let the first one go, had the second one. And then I was still a freelance marketer kind of as my main day job. So I was still picking up clients to do copywriting, email automation, whatever content they needed. Mm -hmm. And I was just funneling all that money essentially to the developer. So then I probably put in, you know, another 15,000, 20,000, I don't okay. know, my own money. And eventually we got to the point, this is maybe a bit different than a typical journey for, you know, for a bootstrapper, but we applied to a local accelerator. Mm -hmm. and you know you get $25,000 they take a couple percentage points of equity and we got in I mean I showed up and said hey I'm not an accountant I'm not a developer but I have 10 customers and we are building something so that yeah. was kind of like okay. you know and in 2013 2014 had you launched it by this had you launched it this time was it, was it <laughs> no, live? no okay. we were still just going through all the dirt and grind and okay. luck and all the you know we hadn't launched yet I mean we were probably four or five months into trying to figure it out. So like we, we tried to launch the first thing in 90 days. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know, then we brought in a second developer and the second developer and this, you know, um, probably it's not an uncommon position for a new developer to have on a project is, Oh, I don't like how it's written. Let me just rewrite it. And I yeah. said, Hey, what, what yeah. do I know? Sounds good. Yeah. Just rewrite it. So we almost had to restart the whole process over again. Yeah. So that was like another three or four months. So, but we did get into the accelerator. It's 25 grand. 
it was enough to, and then in the middle of the accelerator, we got it up and running, which in the middle was in the middle of tax season, kind of the worst time to launch for accountants. Yeah. But we yeah. got a couple people to use it. I remember mm -hmm. a firm in South Carolina to use it. And she was like, this helped us get rid of our file cabinets. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah, like, yeah, that's big. Yeah. You, this it sounds like it actually works, right? Like this is yeah. kind of like, you know, I know other that's people. A, that's a nice it. testimonial to put on the website, right? This yeah. I'm sure it was a really ugly website, but <laughs> the copy was good, I'm sure though, right? Because you're you're mark you're a marketing guy. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Now now I'm kind of feeling you know sad about our website a little bit, but it'll be rewritten maybe by the time this is aired, because we're going through this whole kind of journey with the website. But yeah, I got a testimonial. It was great. I was like, oh my gosh, Becca, we, 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 we got rid of your uh, file cabinets. This is amazing. You can use Jetpack. You adopted it in like February. So like almost at the beginning of the tsunami of tax returns. Yeah. And so, you know, we, you know, when you get in these accelerators, you have a demo day. So I did my whole spiel. Hey, we're great. And this is why we're great. Crickets, no investors. And so I just kind of went back into the cave and, you know, built it. We did get another 25 K that year from, from the same accelerator. Yeah. From the parent organization, essentially okay. we got a little extension and, you know, pretty much to run the business year one, cause we we're only making four or five, $600. Um, I was paying, I was just paying the developers. Um, I didn't have a technical co-founder. Um, so we always had these expenses of yeah. building out the product. I mean, always. So, um, but anyways, year one, I still had a kind of day job. I was still doing marketing work. Yeah. And the, the other thing was, um, you know, paying everything to the developer. Yeah. So first year you're at 600 MRR. How was the product? Was the product good though? Were you happy with it? And it was just like the user. I mean, I just didn't know any better. Yeah. I didn't know, like looking back on it now, I mean, it was, it was horrific. I would never build a product that probably looked like that. But the good yeah. news was, the thing that saved us was the market was able to, or at least the earliest adopters was able to um, see past all the limitations of the product because it solved a painful problem. Yeah. And I knew it solved it because they're using spreadsheets. All I knew is yeah. it solved it better than using a spreadsheet. So if you're yeah. using a spreadsheet, you should buy Jetpack Workflow. Right. You know, that was kind of like, you know, yeah, yeah. the first, first thousand dollars, 2000, I think, I think the first year we got, thousands of dollars of MRR. I can't, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't, it was still really, really challenging to like, you know, stay afloat, uh, overall. Okay. So, so take me to, um, the next phase where you started to gain some traction. You're at 2000 MRR say, I, I call the first three yeah. phases. It's like zero to five, <laughs> five to 15 then 15 uh, to 30. This, and by, by the time you're at 30, I think you figured out your marketing and you're sort of growing by that time. Yeah. hundred percent. I would say at somewhere around, so $5,000 MRR, um, you know, me, developer crazy relationship crazy product but some people are still using it yeah. and liking it you know it's growing and i was like you know you know um we were seeing a lot of competitors come into the market um still didn't, had no idea what it's doing and so you know our early investors was like okay you need to find you need to go out and bring somebody on board to be like almost like a technical co-founder. Mm -hmm. You have a software product. You don't know anything about software. 
this is a problem, right? And I'm like, your logic makes sense to me. So, uh, you know, and I was like, but I can't afford, I tried to, you know, I looked at all these forums. I went to the meetups. I looked at Quora. I looked at Google groups. I went to meet, I went everywhere and trying to find this like technical co-founder at 5,000 MRR, which like, if that was me today, I'd have so much more confidence trying to find somebody Yeah, yeah. because it's so hard to get to 5k MRR. I mean, it's so hard. So, but I still couldn't find anybody. I just didn't, I didn't have, I wasn't persuasive enough. I didn't know how to pitch the opportunity well at that time to, to be able to have your own sandbox, be able to build your own freedom to, you know, I know so many developers now or, or call it at least a half a dozen, yeah. that would be significantly more interested at the time. They just didn't believe, like ultimately they just didn't believe in me, which yeah. I don't blame them because I had no track record. I'm a psychology right. major, ex, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> a, a social worker that was just talking in an animated way. It was kind yeah. of like, yeah, this doesn't, this seems like smoke and mirrors. Yeah. So I understand why, but uh, so anyways, you're just struggling to find somebody, struggling to find somebody. And they said, well, you should go out and raise a little bit of money and go hire somebody then if you can't find somebody. Okay. And like, this is, the, this is the Pittsburgh startup, the accelerator that's telling you that. Yeah, more or less, right? They, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't heavy pressure. I also brought in another angel investor. He put in like 20, 25K. And, you know, he's, you know, he says, look, if you want my opinion, go raise a little bit of money, hire somebody, and then you're off to the races. You don't have to hire somebody if you don't want to, but just know it's like if you can't find a technical co-founder and you can't hire somebody – the future of the of the of the of the company here is uh questionable. Yeah, 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 questionable. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm like, you know, that makes sense. Um so, you know, relocated for a couple months to Santa Monica, raised like 150,000, came back, raised 150,000 more. And in 2016, um brought on our VP of engineering, Jess, who is still with us today, to really be that that technical leader in the company and to not only think about the architecture and scalability of the product but also to help find other engineers i uh i was bad at recruiting engineers objectively like i tried to recruit a technical co-founder for a while i failed repeatedly but i did end up i found somebody hired her and we started building out the the team so jess is a girl you mean correct okay she's and she's your cto now VP of engineering. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't have to get into titles, but I, yeah. But, um, but when I was in, in in Santa Monica, the thing that helped me raise money was like, you know, one day I was I was doing my thing. I was at a I was at a like engineering meetup. I was like, maybe I'll find a technical co-founder here. So I was still in this like, yeah, I know I'm out here raising money, but goodness, if I could find somebody to be a co-founder, yeah, and that solves the problem. I just cared about solving the problem, and so um, I'm out there. I'm at a tech meetup trying to talk to people, not going super well. Everybody starts hacking away on something. And I'm like, you know what? Gary V keeps hammering the entire community about Facebook ads and how amazing Facebook ads and everybody needs to be running Facebook ads. I said, you know what? I'm going to spin up some Facebook ads. I'm going to put $200 in this and let's see what happens. Right. Yeah. Sitting there in this meetup and I put hundred bucks in Facebook ads. I set up the tracker you know, I dropped the snippet into like whatever on bounce or you know, whatever and on the website and like 45 minutes later, it was like, ding. It's like, I got a trial. I was like, I just got a trial. Yeah. I was like, Hmm. Okay. I wonder if I pour more into this, what happens? Yeah. More trials. 
oh my gosh. Like I found, I found the first kind of like exponential marketing channel. It's since, since like has been, you know, this is like Facebook, you know, 2014, much yeah. different than like yeah, yeah. 2020. <laughs> yeah. 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 Much, much harder to compete. <laughs> but um, you know, so I'm not, you know, necessarily saying that's like our strategy today or whatever, but like, you know, 2014, seeing that trial come in and just seeing like, okay, I'm going to put a little bit more money into it. Great. I got more trials. Conversion rate of those trials maintained steady. You're coming in and paying. So we started spending money on, on Facebook ads. And, you know, we always had this approach of like trying to grow through content and organic search, um, which I was also doing. I wrote probably you know, hundred, 200 articles in that same year. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, shotgunned everything out. But I was also kind of experimenting with paid ads. And kind of once I figured that out, I mean, that, that's kind of because you can now look, you can, you can lose your shirt in paid ads. Yeah. Right. It is crazy. But, you know, with organic search, it's kind of like that's organic is kind of building like your moat around yeah, your, yeah. your business. But when yeah. you find a paid channel, it could be conferences, it could be Facebook, it could be LinkedIn, it could be whatever. But when you, yeah. when you find it, it's the fastest way to accelerate your growth. Now, there's, that's amazing. You feel really good about it. But there's also a lot of downsides on, on accelerating your growth as well, you know, which we, we could talk about. But, I mean, we're, we're getting from 5K to 15 that's that's that was pretty much it that was it facebook ads i mean and that's unheard I mean, of really too. that's unheard yeah. of i've never i've honestly never heard of saying i'll just experiment with 200 you know and then you know kind of throw something there has to be a lot said for the fact that you were a marketing guy and you probably are are, are sort of undervaluing your you know your that's true look yeah if, if i said on what would what probably is going to work but also you had a finger on exactly what the, the pain point was that in you i'm sure you centered up but i would love to see those ads um, i don't know if i wrote. still have them i mean oh, i man, guess they're in the are, library somewhere yeah. but i mean here's the thing um i mean arguably this sounds crazy like the website you see today does not have the same pain point as what we were doing from landing pages yeah four or five six years ago mm-hmm. i was so in tuned coming out of pre-selling and talking with people for six, seven, eight months. I mean, the copy almost wrote itself. Yeah. Right. And so when I was thinking about, Hmm, what does the market want to hear? It's like, Oh great. I've been listening to the market for six, seven months. I'm a conduit. I'm going to channel what they're saying. I don't need, again, I kind of have this bias against being witty and clever. Like nobody cares. Like if you're witty or clever, they want to know if you're solving a pain point. So after doing all these interviews, I just kept hearing the same phrases over and over and over again. So of course I'm going to put that in the ad copy and yeah. it worked of course, because that's what the, that's how the market was describing their own pain. Um, so that was a huge, you know, like process of going through this. Yes. It validates a product. It de-risks will anybody use it. It de-risks you wasting time, but it also gives you pretty much your, a great V1 of your positioning statement of your marketing material. Um, just the other day, I mean, it was a couple months ago, I pulled up the original pre-sale pack. And I was go and look, it's super ugly. I'm not a designer and I knew even less about design than I knew today. But the words, I was like, gosh, why aren't we using these words? Like yeah. some well written words. Like because they're coming right from your customer's mouth, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. You yeah. know. So, okay. you know, then the challenge is how do you scale that mindset? So I mean, really five to thirty was pretty much it. The product was getting better. We were cleaning it up. The, we, were, we were deleting out ridiculous little features I put in there. Um, we had some 
you know, visibility in the market for a year, for two years. We're putting out consistent content. We launched the Growing Your Firm podcast. I was interviewing people weekly, all the thought leaders I could get on the show. We were writing up blog posts. I was, I was just, you know, shotgunning content, running ads, um, doing webinars all the time. I mean, I was just, uh, spinning a whole wheelhouse, you know, as a marketing team of one, just trying to do something that, you know, seven Were people. You, it sounds like you're almost throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks or was it not? It was really Facebook ads. that was, that was working for you. you I mean, had, to be honest with you, a spaghetti. It was okay. It was then like, what stuck then? What, what stuck for you then? Like the real answer is a mixture of everything. So early on Facebook ads, great, but we were also producing a lot of content. So if somebody mm-hmm. came and hit our site, from Facebook, you know, started a trial, didn't convert. I would still drip out podcast episodes to them. Yeah. So they would hear about us for, you know, six months, 12 months, okay, so 18 nurturing, months. You nurturing, nurturing, yeah. Yeah, it was just a really simple nurturing yeah. campaign. Okay. And we're just building out a content database. And so that's kind of like one little system. Then the other system was I just started like Google searching phrases and any, and this I do, I'm not a sophisticated SEO marketer by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. right? But, you know, 2014, I'd be like, well, a lot of our customers come from Basecamp because Basecamp, you can't house client information. Cool. I'm going to write an article called Basecamp Alternative. I'm going to shoot a video. I'm going to, and I'm also going to write an article called Basecamp for Accountants and do that. I'm going to look up our competitors and write the word alternative next to it. Yeah. Um, And I'm just going to keep doing, I'm going to try to do some long tail SEO keywords. I'm going to try to go after checklist management for accountants. 1040, 1040 checklist for accounts, just anything. It wasn't really fun to write it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not exciting articles to write. Um, but I would write them Yeah, and I'd write a lot of them. And so organic traffic would pick up slowly. Yeah. Podcast was making us more well known in the accounting community where again, we have competitors that have been in the community for, you know, 30. Is there a lot of accounting podcasts? There was none at the time. That's what I was thinking. It seems like that's Nobody a real was doing niche. it in 20, yeah. 2016. Yeah. I didn't even know if people would listen to it, you know, uh, at all. But what I did know is I needed blog content. I'm not an accountant. Yeah. I know how to interview people because I've gone through this pre-sale process. So I'm yeah. going to interview people and that interview is going to help me create content. So I think uh, I see that's good. Okay. So you're not yeah. just using the podcast as a content. It's, it's like a seed for other uh, pieces of content, like a question that you would ask. Yeah. So I would yeah. shoot, look, I still do this. Let's do a 30, 40 minute interview that turns yeah. into a 1200 word blog post. So we're collecting the blog. We'll drip that out. Cause you're then, transcribing. You mean? No, we're doing a summary. Okay. Maybe we should do a transcription. I don't know, but yeah. we'll, we'll make it like a, here's the big things you should know about this show. And here's some important points. Okay. We, we, we would hire a blogger to do this. And then we eventually compiled all of our blog posts. We categorized them, clean them up and we turned it into a book. You know, the, oh, where is it? Double your accounting firm book. Ah, okay. Which I more or less wrote a lot of this in For those months. I was in Santa Monica. I was in Santa Monica doing this podcast. I'm like, I'm going to yeah. start categorizing these things because I have a lot okay. of time. I'm just here. So, that turned into the book. Again, all this is helping us become, I think, more visible in the accounting industry overall because we have yeah. zero connections in there. Right? Yeah, like yeah. We have competitors that worked at PE firms that were buying up accounting software companies. We have competitors that were, worked at Intuit for 30 years or zero for 20 years. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, hey, I'm a social worker. 
Uh, <laughs> but you weren't saying that. I hope you weren't saying that. You were just like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm learning the business. I, I mean, I didn't have to say anything. That's the best yeah. thing about interviewing people is yeah. the spotlight's never on you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's always on highlighting the thought leader, highlighting the expert, yeah. you know, and it works wonders, right? Now I can interview anybody I want. I've built yeah. up a reputation of, you know, just trying to get good information and doing good interviews. And so now, you know, we're, we're, we're launching this cloud accounting summit mm -hmm. and we're getting some pretty great speakers because I've been doing these interviews forever. They're like, Oh, we know David. He's not, yeah. he's not, he's not, you know, sleazy. It's it yeah, probably he's not a good scary. event. He's not scary. He's, yeah. He's been, he's been doing these interviews, the growing your firm podcast. Yeah. I know he has Jetpack workflow. That's neat. But I also know he's really tr trying to provide good value. So like when we put together this summit, you yeah. know, we were able to get all the speakers and all the vendors together in about four days, you know, five days. That's, wow. That's great. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's worked out well to help us get more, Kind so you haven't done a virtual, you haven't done a virtual summit yet. We did one three years ago. Okay. And we're, and we're now kind of, uh, reviving the, the, the concept for, and how was it three years ago? I imagine it was pretty successful, wasn't it? How, <laughs> it was how awesome. Do, how come you didn't do it? Continue on. Like you just got too busy. Head down. Yeah. Just too busy. Yeah. You know, when you start, when you start hiring people, I remember when we had 10 employees, it was, it was so, uh, it, about net six weeks, eight weeks after the 10th person started, the yeah. whole company just felt hard. Yeah. It felt so easy and fun. Like we're just going and I'm this kind of marketing dude and there's some people doing some product stuff and great and it's all fun. And at 10, it's like the first inflection point. And maybe it was 10, maybe it was the amount of customers we had. Maybe it was the revenue size. I don't know. We hit pretty big milestones all at the same time. And all of a sudden the company just felt really hard to like, to run. And, you yeah. know, and, and so it's like, okay, we need process, we need order, we need structure. And, you know, that's so, but that was certainly, you know, well past 30K MRR. So, so it sounds like the big sort of the, if you were to put your finger on the sort of the big break for you, it was when, when you discovered Facebook ads. Uh, and then when you raised the 300 and you got Jess on board, that was kind of the two pivotal, pivotal points for you or the transitions where you sort of broke out? Yeah. I mean, because certainly I had more faith in kind of the infrastructure direction of the, of the company and, and felt more secure in that. And I think, yeah, fighting the paid channel early on was great. Going all in on content early on was great. You know, trying to build out and follow webinar best practices, the ones that sell, not just, yeah. you know, so like I'll go on a little, so those are the three, those are kind of the big break distribution, right? Yeah. Content slash podcast, you know, those ads and um, doing all these like long tail SEO keywords before anybody was really doing them right okay. now. Now, of course, all those channels are like very saturated. Right. So it's like, but there's always something, you know, you can there always, is, there's, there's always something you can say that. And in 2014, we'd be saying, Oh, it's so crazy. It's so crowded right now. But you know, in whatever Google or, you know, oh, there's always something in, in you would say that in five years, you know, we would say, Oh man, to be back in 2020, you know, like those are the easy days. Um, yeah, I look, think, I mean, Reddit, Quora, LinkedIn, yeah, exactly. big opportunities there right off the, you know, we're in the middle of this crazy turmoil with COVID-19. Yeah global recession. Yeah. Probably, probably the cheapest time to buy ads, you yeah. know, quite frankly. So there's, there's right. that. Um, I think there's always room for a great, really well-written piece of content. 
Yeah. Um, if that's and your just, and it just pushes you to make the content better instead of writing 500 word blog articles like we yeah. were doing five years ago, people are writing 2000 word articles, you know, and I think that's just sort of yeah. the, the yeah. difference now. But there's always, yeah, to your point, there's always something, right? There's always something there's, you could do more virtual summits. You could, I mean, there's more Facebook groups than ever before. Yeah. There's product hunt. I mean, my goodness, product yeah. hunt, you know, that's right. Yeah. Like even that, like Facebook groups, product hunt, Reddit, Quora, LinkedIn, five channels. Someone was telling me about Captera as well. Captera, right. Yeah. All these, all these directories. Yeah. There's always something, but yeah. I guess the broader thing is if you're trying to have, you know, what you call your big break and try to hit a certain revenue milestone, yeah. you just need to commit the time to learning it and, and doing it. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I know if you're a product person, you probably don't want to commit 50% of your time to do that, but you need to. Yeah. And you need to learn it fast. Like I didn't, I, I'm not the best product manager. I'm not the best designer. Um, certainly, you know, I'm not the best manager. I had to learn all these things, right? Yeah, like, yeah. so if you're like, that's, I was telling somebody the other day, this is the game you signed up for. Yeah. You know, you can't, as soon it's as you want to launch it, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I can't do anything else. Like there's, yeah. you know, so early on in the foundation, right? I got really bummed out because the dental practice idea failed. Yeah. And I went through this extreme visualization process that if I were to quit now, what would I do? I'm going to quit. I'm going to go get a job. It's going to be maybe a decent job. Maybe I'll get into marketing. Maybe I won't, but I'm yeah. assuming I'm going to drive to that job. I'll have a desk. I, I pictured what I would eat for lunch, what my morning routine would look like, what I have for breakfast, what I would do when I'd come home, when I would work out, when I would read, when I would watch movies. I planned out everything. And the thing that really got to me was like, then I knew on the weekends, because that's what I was doing already, or in the evenings, because that's what I was doing already, I would open up books about entrepreneurships and startups and I would follow courses. And, and start would, dreaming again. Yeah. And I would start trying to build something yeah. all over again. And so it was kind of like, it's like that, you know, it's like. <laughs> Why waste your time doing that? If you know, I'm, I'm here already. Let's just stay with this. Yeah. It's like, if this is what I'm trying to get to, like, yeah. I know I'm going to end up here no matter what. Yeah. So. I like instantly got out of my funk, my, my pity party. Yeah. And I was like, who am I kidding? Like if I keep trying this and I keep learning and I keep applying my learnings to be better. Yeah. I I'm not the smartest person, but I can certainly reach my goals. Like yeah. if I just go through that mini process, try it. Did it work? No. How can I be better? Great. Apply that knowledge to do it better again and just keep running through that circle and I was like, at some point, I just believe if I keep getting like half a percent better, 1% better, yeah, yeah, something will click. And maybe it's Checklist Pro or maybe it's a new piece of software I don't know about. But like, if I'm going to end up here anyways, what's the big deal? Like, I instantly yeah. just like, I just felt so light. I was yeah, like, yeah, 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 this is just the process. And yeah. everybody goes through this process. Nobody escapes this process. And every now and then, you know, certainly when you're early on, you see people and they're a little further ahead of you. And you get bummed out or you get mad at them or whatever. Yeah. Guarantee you that they probably started. <laughs> they're in, they're yeah. in year three. Yeah. yeah. In month yeah. six. That's the uh, difference. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I think it's great. I think it's, you know, if you look for like, I, the reason I got so excited about Jetpack is for the freedom to have your own sandbox, to go out and build and create things. Right. Like this, this that to me is the most exciting part yeah. is, is to launch stuff. Um, yeah. And, and build and but you want to build something that matters to people mm -hmm. so yeah i of course it's it's great and i don't i don't want to talk like there's no opportunities in 2020 i mean there's a flood of opportunities in 2020 yeah. both of what to build and how to distribute it yeah i mean it's 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 crazy right all i'm yeah. saying is probably the playbook for 2014 
needs to be adjusted for 2020. Yeah. And, but the lessons don't, the lessons are the same, you know, it's a channel and it's, it's, it's solving the big problems that you figured out. You need, you, you knew that you needed a technical co-founder and you solved that problem. So that's good. Yeah. So we both know Dane early on. Yeah. Maybe we'll end with this cause I know we're running out of time, but like, yeah. I remember calling up Dane early on, you know, checklist pro. I was like, but it's such a big problem. And I don't know, like, I don't know how to build for it. And, you know, I was trying to find something more niche. Like I need a smaller pain point to solve and everybody, but everybody keeps buying this checklist thing. And I have three people that bought it. I don't know what to do. And he's like, and you know, Dane probably, you know, it gets hounded for advice, right? Especially yeah. when you're kind of in these cohorts and he goes, I don't know, man, just, just figure it out. Yeah. You have three customers, just figure it out. And I yeah. was like, you know what? I was like, F yeah. Yeah. I can figure it out. Like it was, right. it was also, it was just like this weird little, Dave probably forgets the whole conversation, right? Cause like of you probably course. got asked that question. Yeah. Times a week. Thousands of those. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I was just like, Oh, Dane doesn't have all the answers or Gary V doesn't have all the answers or Grant Cardone doesn't have all the answers or whoever yeah. you follow. Yeah. Deval from AngelList doesn't have all the answers or Jason Calacanis. When you just believe in yourself and say, I can figure this out. Yeah. And nobody else is going to come to save me with some kind of silver bullet answer. Yeah. It's really empowering. You're like, F yeah, I could figure this out. What a great answer. Like that's probably the best mentor advice with like, he just literally is like, yeah, I don't know how to solve this. I recommend you, figure you go figure it, it out. out. Yeah. yeah. You figure it out. Yeah. I was like, dude, yes. Heck, I don't great. know if I can swear on this, but like, heck yeah. Yeah, that's good. Heck is good. Hey, listen, we are running out of time. So I really want to make sure um, that you get on to your next appointment. But I thank you so much for your, your time, Dave. Obviously, we had a lot of fun. That's why we uh, ran it to the end of the hour. Anything you want to leave us off with? How can people reach you? Uh, obviously, go check out check Jetpack Workflow if you're an accountant. Um, but reach out to Dave. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe just hit me up on LinkedIn. That might be the, the best one. Okay. Um, if, if you really have a question, you know, um, you know, it's my first name at jetpackworkflow.com. Um, you know, and if, and if you are trying to navigate this process, you know, always happy to give feedback. Um, if you're building anything, my goodness, anything at all, maybe it's really technical for accountants. Please let me know. I, I always say yeah. this at the end of interviews like this, like goodness, like if you have something yeah. for bookkeeping, accounting, payroll, or tax, uh, yes, definitely email me. <laughs> um, but even if you're just yeah. going through this process, you know, it should be a note. So first name. I've, actually, I've got one for you for another time, but I definitely have one for you. Oh, uh, man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So you, cool. I have distribution. You have a dev shop. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, Dave. Pleasure. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software big break could be right around the corner. <laughs>